Bible reading is for us this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, and Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Reading from Deuteronomy, this is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord our God has commanded me to teach you, so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I am leaving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your city gates. Reading from Romans. What should we say then? Should you, should we continue in sin, so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. This is the word of the Lord. Every congregation has a special day, special events, things of particular importance to the church. Uh, things like when new ministers or new elders or deacons are ordained or special events like when a child does a profession of faith uh, that has grown up in the church or special events like the Lord's Supper or special events like today where we got to baptise young Caleb. In fact, today is an extra special day because we both get to celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptise him both on the same day. But it's an especially joyous occasion when we can come together to gather for the baptism of a child. So this morning, we've had the wonderful privilege of coming together as God's people to witness Caleb's baptism and to join actually in that as well. We've come together as parents and grandparents and family and, and as a church family, uh, not only to witness this event, but also to uh, join and rejoice in God's grace and faithfulness in his life. We rejoice at the amazing grace God also shows even to this little child by extending to him the privilege of being born into a covenant family. And it is part of being uh, part of being part of God's family 
uh, is what our text in Romans is telling us about. There's this awesome reminder that um, that uh, our faithful and gracious and merciful God has already done the work in Christ Jesus to save us from our sins. If you know the book of Romans, the first 12 chapters basically teaches us about how salvation works, our, our need for it, how we are made right with God through Jesus' work on the cross. It explains how we're saved through faith in Jesus and how we should live lives surrendered to God by offering ourselves as spiritual sacrifices. And so Paul says it in chapter 12 there that, um, that you know, you have to offer your body as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing to God. But then as he's teaching about what this now means for us, he sort of pivots and says, well, let's just pause for a moment and think about baptism. In the New Testament church, when someone became uh, a, a believer, they would be baptized. And so this text in Romans 6 is about new believers who have come to the faith um, and how their baptism represents their death and resurrection with Christ. Now even in the New Testament times, children were baptized with their families, adults and children alike. And so um, baptism in the early church was given to believers and their families not because baptism in itself saves the child. It doesn't. What it does do is remind us of what God has already done in Christ Jesus, that he has washed us clean through his sacrifice on the cross. And that applies to the believers and their children too. And so when Caleb was baptized this morning, he didn't magically become sinless. He didn't magically become perfect. He will still cry when the speakers give a lot of feedback. He's not a, a magic baby. But what Paul is telling us is that when someone is baptized, that person is outwardly receiving the sign that he or she is part of God's covenant family. Mm-hmm. And being part of God's covenant family is a really very privileged place to be. You see, covenant children are surrounded by people who love Christ. Covenant children are surrounded by God's word, by scripture being preached and taught around them by their families and their broader church community. Covenant children have the church body to help train them and equip them in what it means to live for Jesus. This external sign of baptism is a sign and a seal that they are part of God's covenant family, that they have all of these privileges offered to them. Now, of course, Caleb is not yet a believer. He will not remember this morning, unless he's a particularly special child. Uh, but I've yet to meet a child who remembers their baptism. He is not able to understand what's happened. He doesn't understand what happened this morning. So what is the point of baptizing him between my eyes? The answer to that question is that he is a covenant child. He is a child of God's covenant people. And if we go back to the Old Testament, we see that God's covenant people were also given a sign that they were part of his people. They were given the sign of circumcision. It was given to children whether they believed ultimately in God or not. It was given uh, to children whether they could understand it or not. They could. They were eight days old. It was given as a sign... Um, Sorry, it was a sign given to the parents of children that their children were also part of the covenant people. 
And there was a sign given to the people of Israel that they had been set apart by God. It was a sign they were given whether they ultimately ended up being obedient to God or not. We know in the New Testament, baptism reflects the circumcision as the sign given to covenant people. And it remains the same sign and seal today for the children of believers. So even though Caleb doesn't understand any of what happened today, his baptism is a sign of the claim that God has made on his life on having been born into a believing family. And it is a sign for us as a church family that uh, this child of believing parents, Caleb, has been grafted into the community of God's people. And as the form we read this morning tells us, it's not just the parents who have values and an obligation. It is we as a congregation too have an obligation to Caleb uh, as, as the people that God has surrounded him with. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the obligation of parents, the obligation of us as a congregation, and the obligation that Caleb ultimately has to... Uh, uh, what do you do with an obligation from life? I don't know, but he's got to meet that obligation. So, parental obligations. So all of you can just turn on for a moment. I'm just going to show you. Now, Peter and Rachel, uh, through his baptism, Caleb has been given a sign that he's part of God's covenant people. It is a huge comfort and assurance to know that your child is part of God's covenant family. But it is a privilege that brings with it an obligation, a duty that you have to perform as his parents. As his parents, you are charged to teach Caleb about this covenant. You are to lead him, to bring him up in a godly manner and keep telling him and teaching him about the greatest news ever, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Christ who died also for him. And as he grows up, you are charged to keep teaching and reminding him that surrendering to God, uh, sorry, and reminding him that surrendering to God and loving him is the basis for his Christian life. It's very clearly explained to us in our passage from Deuteronomy. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sorry, without the mind in this place. Love the Lord your God with your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And these words that I'm giving to you are to be in your heart. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength means surrendering to Him. It's like that old hymn says, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give, all to Thee, my blessed Saviour, I surrender all. For Caleb to live that way in the world that says surrender nothing and have everything you want is a task that you are constantly going to have to do day in, day out. You and his parents need to teach him how to surrender to Jesus. We need to teach him carefully, thoroughly, wisely. Or as verses 7 to 9 of Deuteronomy 6 says, repeatedly. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Repeat these commands to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. You are called to teach 
tell them what God has done for him repeatedly over and over until it becomes part of who he is. Until that shapes his identity narrative. Now, this means a couple of different things. It means teaching him repeatedly, persistently, time and time again, repeating this teaching. This is not something you can tell the child once. It means modeling. It means repetition for them um, to take on board. It means showing him again and again uh, what a godly thing is to do and to say. It means instilling into him biblical values that are consistent and that are lined up to God's word. It means impressing into his heart that teaching of scripture in the way that you live. He will follow your example. It means teaching him the principles of, um, of sacrificial living and then showing him how to do that for your own life. The term that sits underneath this in the original language, this repeated, diligent teaching, is actually an army term. It's a military term. It is quite right for you to think of, of Caleb as a soldier in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. He needs to be drilled in the fact. This image we're supposed to get in our mind is, is, um, is this battalion of little Christians you know, marching to the drill sergeant, yelling out something like, I don't know, but I'm being told I'm part of the Christian fold. Jesus Christ has died for me, now I live eternally. Something like that. That's what you're supposed to see in your mind's life. You are as covenant parents. Your job is to drill into Caleb, to keep putting him through his paces until the Christian life becomes second nature to him. Actually, it becomes first nature to me. Peter and Rachel, that is what it means to train your children, to impress the Lord's command upon him. It means not only to teach the principles, but also how to apply them. It means to drill God's commandments into him so that it becomes part of his life. Now, this sounds like brainwashing, doesn't it? Uh, and it probably is. But as I've said before, someone will indoctrinate your child. Someone will. You just get to choose who they are. Either the world will indoctrinate your child or you will. And the Bible says as a covenant child, as covenant parents, it is your job to indoctrinate them. To get the doctrine in to them. When are you to do this? When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you get up. This commandment is to be on your doorpost. It's a symbol on your on your forehead. It's on your hand as you do. At every opportunity, no matter what time of day, no matter what you're doing, it is an opportunity to talk to your children about God. And this isn't just telling them about God, you know, teaching them theology or doctrine. It is showing them through the faith life that you live uh, how to love Christ. For you to make a real impact on your children, uh, the faith you profess has to be modeled for him in a visible and real way. You guys are vessels of God's truth. You are these kinds of jars of clay that carry his word and spirit. And his word and spirit should shine through your lives. 
Now, the only way that light can shine through a jar is if there are kind of cracks in the jar. There are these holes from which the light can stream. And Caleb needs to see Christ's Holy Spirit in you, as it pours out of you through your own brokenness. Do not be afraid to show your children that you are sinful and still learn your own meaning to love God has to shine through your life. And if our children don't see Christ in us, lived out consistently in us, how can we really expect them to come to Christ, to love Him, to dedicate out their life to Him if they can't see it in us? We can only anchor the hearts of our children in Christ. And if the commandment to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is written on our own hearts, and live through in our own faith as well. This is your primary responsibility as parents to teach your children Christ. Not actually to provide them with food and shelter. Your primary responsibility is to let him see Christ's love for him from within you. And others can help with the task, but it is primarily your responsibility. Don't palm that off onto the church. Don't let the Sunday school teachers do that. Don't say, oh, the youth group can take care of that. For you and for every parent here, this is our task. We need to do it. Not the church, not the Sunday school teachers, we need to teach our children and train them up in the ways of the Lord. Tell them what Jesus means to you. Show them what Christ means to you. Show them what, how you live and what you do and what you say that you actually genuinely really love Christ with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Tell them about how God has impacted your life. Imprint this on them by relating your own personal experience with Christ. Your faith is not supposed to be a private thing between you and God. Not in the context of your family home. Teach them God's commandments and show them how you live those out. Show them by how you relate to the husband and wife. Show them by how you model forgiveness and love. Show them by putting God's commandments into practice in your own life and your own relationships with each other and with the people around you. You'll have many opportunities to put this into practice. There will be opportunities that will allow you to share your Christian worldview with your children, not just in theory but also in practice. But don't expect them to be radically transformed very moment, the first time you speak to them, it doesn't work that way. As they see God's love in action, your words will be cemented in their lives. And so as parents, as a couple, as people of God, let us surrender all for Jesus and live out our lives before our children, so they will see who we really love. That is the privilege obligation of parents. Friends, as Peter and Rachel have obligations, we as a community have obligations to you and I 
have things we as a congregation need to do. We have obligations to the child who was baptized this morning. Caleb has been given this great sign that he is part of the covenant family of, of God. He is he's part of this family as uh, this church here. And you stood up and you promised that you would receive him love. That you would pray for him, that you would help care for him and structure him as well. And as a church community, this is what we should do. We do this in things like our worship services, our Sunday school, our caregiving classes, and so on. But it is so much more than that. It's even about saying Sunday school teachers can take care of that, or the elders can take care of that. It's actually about loving these children and faithfully mentoring them. About giving them examples of, to look up to and think, how can we like that? It's about helping care for them and instructing them in the faith. And just like Peter and Rachel has to model their faith to, to their child, each one and every each and every one of us has to model to the children of this community our faith as a congregation. And if our actions do not match up to our words, then we are not going to make the kind of impact the church is supposed to make in the lives of the children of that congregation. We cannot expect our children to do the right thing, you know, as a Christian and actually come to church if they don't understand. We can't suggest to them that they should be involved in activities if we ourselves are not being willing to be involved in activities that they see us doing. We can't expect our children to think well of the church when Sunday after church all we can do is tell all the bad things that happened this morning and complain about all the things the pastor said wrong. Nothing to be for them. Baptism is a reminder that as a whole congregation we have promised to love and care not only for Caleb but for all the children of this community. It is a promise we've made to all the children here that we would help them on their journey in faith. It is a reminder to mentor them on the path to the point where they have to make a decision for Christ themselves. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that seems like a daunting task, right? We might have this idea that we can't actually play a formative role in the lives of young children. Maybe we're thinking, you know, they're not going to listen to a person like me. Maybe I'm too old or I'm too, too unrelatable to children or whatever. Maybe we think that they might not be interested in, in what I will have to say. Maybe our mind is trying to convince us that we just don't know enough or we don't know the Bible well enough. We don't know them well enough. But friends, let me remind you that the promise is you made this morning isn't a conditional promise. This isn't a promise that is contingent on how well you know someone. It's, it doesn't depend on your age or uh, you know whether your hair is black or grey or non-existent. All of us are called to disciple these children. All of us have an obligation to let them come and see Christ living in us. All of us are called to do so, surrounding them with our lives and Christian example and influence. In other words, we're supposed to show them Christ shining through us. And in the same way as their parents 
have the opportunity to let Christ show through the cracks in their broken vessels, so too we have an obligation to be honest with the fact that we are not perfect people. That we have cracks. But does Christ show through that? It is in fact through our weaknesses that God is most glorified. We have an obligation and a privilege to Caleb, to instruct him in the faith, and those around him with our witness as a church family. But when he grows up, he will not have an excuse to say, but all I saw around me were hypocrites. That is our obligation. But of course, Caleb has an obligation. We can do, as a family, as parents, we can do a 100% job. And in the end, Caleb has to have a relationship with God. One day, Caleb will be old enough to understand what Jesus has done for him on the cross. One day, he will have to understand that simply being baptized doesn't mean that he's actually saved. It is a sign that he's part of the covenant family, but he has to come to faith in Christ as well. One day he, like all of us, has to accept that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he uh, lived his life for him, that he died a torturous death for him, taking his own, that he had his own sin on his shoulders, and died in his place, so that he can live eternally with him. Caleb will have to come and accept Jesus as his Lord and Saviour too. But praise the Lord that he has seen fit that Caleb would be born into this church community, into a family where both parents have a strong faith, to be raised in a church that wants to help him and has promised to help him take steps in growing his faith, into a community that understands that our purpose here on earth is to obey Jesus' command to go and make disciples, not just out there, but also in here, as we help our children take their steps of faith as well. As parents of a congregation, we have to we understand that we have this obligation to, to disciple our children. Praise the Lord that Caleb can grow up and see that here. And it's my prayer that he will. That he will watch and see. That he will grow up uh, watching how people get together as God's people and how we talk to him. And he will see how we share our love with the poor Christ with him and with others. And we pray that the Lord will use this to instill deeply into him the faith that will last for eternity. It is my prayer that he, through us, will taste and see that the Lord is here. Lord, we thank you that we can come into your presence and celebrate uh, the baptism of a covenant child in this congregation. We thank you that you remind us of our privilege and obligation as parents, as a community, to the young ones in our, in our midst. Lord, we pray that you will help us to, um, I guess, really give these examples of what it means to love and to live and love for you within, within this church community so that our young people can see uh, that it is good 
May they grow up with a deep love themselves for you, and that when they too come to an age of accountability, will have no trouble to say, Yes, Lord, I believe in you. May they grow up in faith through your Holy Spirit changing their hearts. Lord, we pray that you will use this 